Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Social Division. In today's episode, we discuss why socialism must be scientific and democratic. This is a 90-minute discussion, and we invite you to call in at 347-857-1319. All right, we're back. We're back in the city. Yes, we're back yes, in the yes. place. We're back on the Internet uh, <laughs> after a two-week um, hiatus a little bit and Appreciate a couple of people calling, you know, on Twitter saying, "Hey, where are y'all guys at?" So <laughs> two weeks. So uh, yeah, we we had we we both just had some busy schedules or meetings and trying to keep keep up with some work projects and things of that sort. It just couldn't just couldn't get back on um, in that on that schedule. So we're 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 really happy to be back and um, so really glad to be there. And again, thank you for the people who on Twitter who uh who did write and ask me about what was going on. So appreciate that. Appreciate all the folks that follow us on Twitter. Really appreciate uh that following there. We need to call we need to get our butt on Facebook as well 'cause I saw um what was that? Is this uh I think that's the Social Ruckers Party or no, what's the one that's having a, a conference back in Chicago? Oh yeah. Um yeah. Uh, that, I, I can't think of the group, name of the group. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but they they have a Facebook uh, page up there and have a huge following, man. It's got a lot of folks up mm. on there. Seriously, and it's like I wish I could think of their name right now. And I, I just slipped my mind. Um, it's the same one that I think Haymarket Press. You know, they right. They're connected Press. to Haymarket Press, right? Yeah, and um, so anyway, yeah, we got to get. You know, that's one more thing to do though. <laughs> Getting things up on Facebook, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so we. I, I have to also apologize. I did not get the announcement up for today's show on Twitter until yesterday. That was after we came back from the uh, March for Science uh, uh, march. Uh, we can go. We're going to talk about that and talk about. Uh, but that gave me, you know, when I was doing the march, it gave me the idea that hey, you know, we need to really talk about, you know, the relationship between science, democracy, and and socialism. I know we've kind of done. Some of this before in past shows, but I think we can also revisit it today. But um, man, yeah, it was a lot. It was about it was about ten or twenty thousand people to show yeah, up about yesterday. 15, in about fifteen. It was about fifteen thousand yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, in, in yeah. Sacramento on on Saturday. Um, I'm going yeah. through now um, just to give people an idea in different places if you had attended. So in D.C. there were forty thousand. Chicago was forty thousand. Uh, New York was twenty, uh, Philly ten thousand, um, mm-hmm. and then there was a London and ten thousand. So I give you a sense of, you know, there the, the wasn't as large as the women's march, 
But to get that many uh, white coat, uh, you know, introverts to come out to participate <laughs> in a march um, is really, really, po- you know, really, really powerful. And to them, that's a very, very large number to be bold enough to say we are here. We're scientists. Uh, science is political. And, and and that we will insert ourselves in the political debates and discussion in terms of what direction uh, we want to take this country. Um, and particularly in terms of the current that has been out there, um, a lot of people think this current began with Donald Trump. To be honest with you, this anti-science current really began in the 1970s. Um, right. and, it, and, it, and it connected to the postmodernist m- movement, who basically rejected the notion that they looked at science is equal to technology, and that science has been used by politicians. Uh, in, in the case of Vietnam War, science was used in terms of Agent Orange and those kinds of things. Other associated to the Nazi use of it in terms of specialization of the gas chamber and taking it to the nth degree, to others who use it for atomic weapons that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So they view science as a negative, destructive force and and dismiss it in its entirety versus uh, recognizing science as as played a very powerful and positive role in human history. Um, and but most particularly, it's rapid growth uh, under capitalism. So in many ways, science has been connected to the technological the development growth of, of capitalism. But the thing is, is that anti-science as an ideological uh, form, formation emerged during that during the early 70s, uh, late 60s, and late 70s received traction among the postmodern and then spread itself throughout the entire masses of people to say that myth and mythology is equal to science, that truth and facts are irrelevant as long as myth and mythology can tell a better story, that science is no different from mythology and myth. In many ways, it was equated science was no different from religion. It can be concocted any kind of way for any particular purpose, and that it is not, and that there is no reality out there, and there's no objective reality, there's no truth, there is nothing to test or to prove because it's depending upon the person who articulate that particular points of view. And that um, current uh, began to have a serious traction among the right. Um, who began to, because it had policy implication in terms for them, in a sense that uh, those who were using science to drill for oil and for raw resources, uh, using geologists to to seek out resources, using science to uh, for uh, for chemistry and so forth, and, and the major Dow chemical plants were the same ones who were articulating and, and, and destroying the they were in many ways were destroying the environment by polluting the water our air and so forth and saying that that's not connected to science and technology that's just how it is and it became a way of denying all science as a way of of simply saying that we don't agree with you know the uh, uh 
those experts who are saying that we are, there's a climate change that is taking place that is created by humans, that is that in their mind that's not science, and therefore we dismiss all science. And it's 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 an interesting evolution in America. It's probably a little. I don't know if it's similar to the same in Europe um, and other places, but in America, that's the evolution of the anti-science notion by using science, but at the same time attacking everybody else by saying that science didn't explain why we polluted the water and, and, and the air and, 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 and decimated you know, the ocean and, and caused mass environmental destruction. Um, but they're but they're constantly using scientific technology for their profitable uh, interests. So it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy that just took place in history. Yeah, and, and it's you know it's it's uh, to me it's quite it's, it's quite it's, it's sad quite quite frankly because I know when I was growing up I really did not get a a good education in science. Maybe I didn't uh, I didn't take advantage of it if I did, but certainly grew up being scientifically illiterate and and as a as an atheist um because of my atheist views i i begin to 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 start looking more at science and and actually this uh well starting last year i uh i stopped reading a lot of stuff about religion i mean i used to read a lot of stuff about religion i said you know why am i still trying to read about that i've, I've already made up my mind i've already have uh good arguments for it I'm, that's, I'm, nothing's going to change my mind on the issue. I need to be reading more science. I need to be become more scientifically literate. And, and I will I will confess to anyone that I'm not, um, because I grew up not uh, you know grew up you know reading a lot of political stuff and things of that sort. I was an English major, reading a lot of literature, but when it comes to science, did not get it. And, and that's the problem that um that most of the world has you know uh, uh, and 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 it's really sad in a, in a country here when we science has made so many advancements in the last hundred years um in terms of saving people's lives we we clearly understand that science has been also used and technology is also being used um uh, against against people and, and, and for 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 really backwards and you know uh, used for war, it's used to kill people. We understand that as well, but that's the reason why that I contend that the masses of people need to be more scientifically literate. It's, it's dangerous when you only have a small segment of the population has this knowledge, has access to these skills. That puts us in a very uh, uh, tenuous situation when we don't have the knowledge in a small a uh, small uh, percentage of the population does. Uh, that's the similar thing when you have wealth going up to less than one, uh, you know, less than one percent of the population. You know, when the wealth is, is concentrated in that that area, then that means the rest of the people suffer. Well, it's the same thing here with science. So, you know, again, this this I, I agree totally that uh, this stuff happened. It's this kind of anti-science kind of trend started in the 70s that definitely ratcheted up with the right wing as well as the religious uh, aspects of it. And, uh, but yet the corporations and, uh, have used, utilized science uh, for its own benefit, usually particularly technology used for its own benefit. It's, it's, just, it's just so ironic, though, because here, you know, corporations have no problem um, looking at 
scientific and technological solutions for, um, you know, in beef to, to increase its profit, increase its production. But yet what it tells you about, you know, climate change, when, you know, for example, Bill Nye talks about, you know, look, uh, the whole thing about the coal industry and, and extracting shit from the ground, the extraction industry, that's got to go. I mean, you know, I'm in Bill, I grew up with Bill Nye on, on PBS. You remember that, Carl? We, we all grew up on that. Grew up oh, that, yeah. On PBS when you were a kid. But, I mean, when you got somebody like him, he ain't no, he ain't no left-wing uh, Marxist, right? But he said, look, I mean, the, the whole thing about, you know, the, the coal industry, that fossil fuels, that, that's got to go. And, and he's right. You know, I, I don't have to know all the details of that. I would love to be able to know more than the way he knows it. But from what, from what little bit I have read and studied, and, and I've even read his book and read some other people, I'm like, I've read enough to convince me that I'm going to listen to them more than I'm going to listen to the asshole in, in the White House. I'm more than I'm going to listen to the Republican Party or more than I'm going to listen to some, some right-wing talk show host. I'm more than I'm going to listen to Fox News. I'm going to listen to them. Like, man, come on. We better listen to some people who have spent their lives studying this stuff. And I don't necessarily see Bill Nye as some multi-million dollar uh, uh, individual that's, that's doing this for money. I mean, sure, he he might you know he have a job, but I'm pretty sure he makes uh, 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 a pretty good income on selling books and, and and doing the things that he's doing. But he certainly is not of the caliber that uh, that certain certain uh, billionaire deniers are, and and right wing uh, climate deniers are. He's not of that. He's he's not making that kind of money. He's doing this because he's very knowledgeable. He's studying this stuff, and he's not the only one. There's other scientists out there, and so. I remember yesterday when I uh, got I got kind of late, so I was going to go to the march, and I asked my son, I said, you know, he was on the computer with his games. I said, you want to go to this march with me, right? Well, I'd rather, I'd rather stay, you know. So I didn't press it, but because I, I was like, in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, you're either going to go today or you're going to go tomorrow. In other words, you're going to deal with this shit, okay? Whether you, whether you think you're going to have to or not, you're going to have to deal with it. Um, and it's more so... Of the, the, the millennial age, you know, and, and he's in the millennials, maybe a little bit younger than the millennials, but in the millennial, the millennials have, they're clear. I mean, they're, 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 most of them are more conscious about climate change than, than my generation. And, and I know that we don't get a lot of listeners who are, are millennials. I know, you know, we get a lot more that are like, you know, 40 and up. But th- those few millennials that are listening to us, Stop listening to old ass people, including me. You be clear and find out forward, you know, forward thinking people, people that are very astute and very skilled in understanding climate change. Start listening to them and start voting based upon their knowledge, not based upon these old ass people who don't give a shit, but trying to tell them, well, you know, we got to, it's all about, you know, Creating jobs, and that's 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 how that's how um, Trump responded. You know, this notion that um, we got to fuse climate change with also uh, supporting American families. Well, no, those, those, that, that's the Russell false dichotomy, and it really is. And so that's even why we we focus on this this show about science and socialism because 
to me, any real science, I mean, any, any real modern socialism has got to have at its base, at its core, um, the scientific methodology, the, uh, you know, the, at its core science. And, and science should be an integral part of creating po- policies that are going to affect the economy, that are going to affect, you know, planning, that are going to impact, impact how we grow shit, you know, Real science needs to be a base of that, and that doesn't mean that science knows everything. That's the reason why you have the scientific model, because at the scientific model, what you do is, is you put out, some re- do some research based upon a particular theory, and you test that out, and they test it against each other to see if that theory is correct. And if theory is not correct, true science will say it's not correct. We need to go back into the lab. We need to, we need to keep testing it. You know, your theory is not correct. And so your theory has holes in it. Religion doesn't do that. A lot of politics doesn't do that. Even left politics sometimes doesn't always criticize itself the way it needs to. True science will criticize itself. That's the model that it's supposed to be based upon. And and if it's not based upon that model, then it's not real science. It's just really not. So we need to learn to use the scientific method to explore not only scientific things, but even even decision-making process, we need to be about that. And so, so yeah, I mean, this is this is another example of of why, on the one hand, the fascists in the White House is there, and that, that's a real bad thing. But on the other hand, it forces us to look at these things even more so. I mean, we wouldn't have had this science science march. Um, if, if Hillary had won, we wouldn't have had that. And and people say, well, it's just too bad that we have to have a science march. No, it's not. We need to have it because most people are scientifically illiterate. And I was disappointed yesterday, by the not by the people who were there, but a lot of people who were not there, including a people of color. A lot of people of color were not there yesterday, at least in terms of where we were. Uh, they were just not there. And so I want to, you know, I want to get into that too. But you know, uh, this is this is really crucially important that we look at this issue because I, I think science should be. You know, when I was uh, joining the APRP, we talked about you know Pan Africanism under scientific socialism. Well, we studied a lot about socialism, but we didn't study a lot about the application of science in that. We we really didn't. And uh, tell me this, Carl. What what is what does Karl Marx say about science? What is his? What was his yeah, uh, Karl Marx doesn't say much about it. It's more of, of Engels uh, speaking to to it than Marx, because Marx Marx assume it. You know, folks should know that, so he wasn't going even going to delve into it. He he was a scientist. Mm. He was a social scientist. Um, and I, but a lot of people don't even know what the, the what scientific knowledge is. There's yeah, and you gave an example of using uh, what, what we call exper- experimental science, where you test the theory, and then if it doesn't work, you, you know, replace the theory. That's part of it. Albert Einstein, in 1949, wrote an article to um, Monthly Review called Why Socialism? Cause a lot of people didn't know that Albert Einstein was a socialist. Um, here's a brilliant scientist, um, and he wrote an article uh, – fairly short article, but it's, in many ways I've, I've used it over and over again. 
And he says, um, let us first consider the question from the point of view of scientific knowledge. It might appear that there are no essential methodological difference, differences between astronomy and economics. Scientists in both fields, now this is the main point, scientists in both fields attempt to discover the laws of general acceptability for any circumscri circumscribed group of phenomena in order to make the interconnection of these phenomena as clearly understand, understandable as possible. In other words, he's basically saying the role of a scientist is to attempt to discover the law of that particular phenomenon, whether it's economic or whether it's socialism, whether it's capitalism, and to point out its interconnection, how it changes, how it evolves, because the interconnection gives it what the, uh, many scientists always want, and particularly um, physical scientists want, is predictability. To be able to uh, predict where it's going to go. And that's where the inter interconnection, what is the interconnecting part of that phenomenon? So they don't look at, you know, for example, you know, uh, let's say uh, water, and you look, go look into the river and say, oh, there's water there, and the scientist says, yeah, and the reason why water is there is because it's in the river. Right. <laughs> That's not scientific. That's not science. No. <laughs> That's not science. What right. a scientist would do is find out what, it, what is the composition of the water. And that's where the discovery right. of H2O. In fact, they didn't even know that there was a thing called oxygen in water. That took right. many, many years to come along before they understand that there is oxygen as part of the two elements of hydrogen. So that, that's the interconnection of water. And then does that state of that interconnection of water going down the river when it changed temperature from, you know, uh, in the winter it becomes iced over and then and it reaches certain points over our geyser, it becomes steam. Those, it's still water, but the interconnection of how that changes uh, it was most important to the scientists. So it is an interesting f uh, way, and a part of you have to do that is, as, as social scientists, we do a critical analysis, and we try to find the interconnecting phenomenon of, of that um, uh, nature of that mode that we're looking at, and to try to f understand it, to be able to explain it. And part of what you just described, as, as you described it, is where scientists challenge each other and critique each other, because there is no absolute truth. Dialectic says there are no absolute truth. There's only truth that is, there's objective truth, but even that truth that is objective that you see for a moment is constantly changing. So what you have to do is a theory, is a theory to explain something for the moment that you are looking at that, at an analysis, uh, at, you make an analysis of something, but if that theory can't hold up, under a different condition, then you have to dispense with that theory and come up with something. That, that's where, for a long time, many, many years, Newton th three laws, uh, you know, Newton's three laws uh, as it relates to gravity, um, uh, you know, Newton's law of gravity and, uh, and motion, dominated for many years, but he couldn't explain uh, why two uh, 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 objects moving at the same speed 
appeared to be, um, you know, appeared to be not moving. And that's where the theory of relativity, where Einstein comes along and explains it, because they had to jettison the old theory to explain a new phenomena or a deeper understanding of a phenomena that was occurring right before their eyes. For, for socialists and social scientists, you need to critique capitalism. And, and if you don't critique capitalism, you cannot explain what socialism ought to be. Now, we had a period where we had different forms of socialism, and we must critique that, too. We must learn from that, too, to deepen, to advance our understanding of socialism on a much different level. Remember, when Lenin brought about the revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution in October 1917, he wasn't quite sure what that is. He had some general idea of what Marx and Engels talked about. But they clearly didn't have no battle plan. They had a battle plan leading up to the revolution. They clearly had to work this thing out to make it work. And they knew that it had to be longer than 70 days that the Paris Commune went through. They lasted almost 70 years. So, um, and we've learned from that. We've learned that there's some things they did right, some things they did wrong. That's what a scientist do. We don't take things as dogma. We learn from stuff, and we've tested it out again, and we, and we try to develop and advance, it, but at the same time, critique both the system upon which is right in front of us, as well as under, trying to understand what we're trying to create before us. And so those are, that's what makes it, um, uh, you know, scientific, and that's the reason why, I'm sorry I went to all a long way, but Engels in his book uh, called Anti-During, During was some cat yeah. came along and said, hey, I, I know socialism better than Marx and Engels. These guys, you know, they all mm-hmm. don't, they just talk and smack, and I'm a super scientist and a philosopher and all this stuff. Um, you know, Engels basically says in Anti-During, um, the two great discoveries uh, that Marx, he's, he's basically acknowledging Marx who made these discoveries. Because he's a scientist, he's studying. Guy Cap went into the library, spent hours in the library, um, you know, studying capitalism and stuff. He says the two great, great discoveries: the materialist conception of history, we call historical, um, historical materialism, mm-hmm. and the and the revelation of a secret capitalist production through surplus value. He explains surplus value, and he says we owe to Marx with these discoveries. Socialism becomes a science because it, up until then, these cats, um, Owen and Foyer and um, uh, uh, Blackie Black and all the rest of these cats were criticizing the morality of capitalism. Oh, man, it's a bad system. Look how it just treated you. You know there's just some crooked, low-down folks. You know, that's all they were basically describing capitalism. And Mark went deeper to just the appearance of capitalism, to much deeper and found that the inner contradiction of capitalism, that in of itself is the appearance of some of the things that it do, both good and bad, in of itself that it, that it cannot continue to survive and continue to exist. At some point, this contradiction has to be resolved. Therefore, there must be a revolution. It will constantly break down in crisis. It will constantly have energy production. It will constantly will try to expand and extend and promote itself. That is what made 
um, Marxist analysis as a scientist qualitatively different and, and, and powerful, and it's constantly being uh, attacked and undermined uh, by saying, you know, we only should only study the morality of, of, of Marx. We need to study the young Marx when he was talking about, you know, the alienation of labor. If Marx was around, he would say, kiss my ass. My main point is that we need to talk about, look at this from a scientific point of view. And, and, and that is what, you know, he says, yeah, I wrote about that in my younger year, but that's when I was immature. As I develop and study and, and learn more, this is where I was at today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. It's a lot. I mean, we're putting a, we're putting a lot out there on the table. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the point. It's, it's you know, again, I know that we a lot of us don't get the kind of scientific literacy that we need to get. I even watched some of my kids when they were growing up in the schools, and, and they, they really didn't get it. I mean, you, you get some kind of glossy view of, of, of evolution. You get a kind of a glossy view of some. My, my son is taking physics, and, you know, he's doing well, but he said other, other students in there are struggling with it. And, and so I understand that it, that learning science is not as easy as, you know, learning or listening to a fable, listening to the stories of the Bible. You know, I mean, that's, that's easy for people to absorb, right, than to get into the intricacies of, of how science explains life. But this is where we are in the modern age, folks. I mean, this is where we have to be ready to push our children. This is, a, we, this is so very important. One of the reasons why... I'm kind of an atheist activist, if you will, as well as a leftist, is it's not because I'm just like, you know, want to take away people's belief system or whatever, but the, the, the notion of looking, having a worldview just, just based on solely on ideas, even though, you know, ideas are good, but to, to look at the world as ran by some ultimate idea, that is, i.e., God is the ultimate, and God is the one that's directing all these things, um, that's 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 a backwards notion in a modern technological society. That's in a modern time. That's very very backwards. We cannot afford to have uh, generations of people take in a a non scientific worldview. We need to have a a dialectical materialist scientific worldview. And and I don't say that just because I'm a leftist. I'm saying that because that's reality. That, that's it, right? I mean, you can sit up here and talk all you want about some immaterial forces that are guiding us. Well, there's, there's no evidence of that. And if, and if we found evidence, great. Let's, let's, let's try it out. Let's see how it happens, how it works, right? But I don't see no, no, no mythical gods guiding, guiding our day-to-day activity. What I see is uh, social and economic uh, relationships that guide um, our, our actions, that guide our way of way we relate to one another, that guide our problems that we face. That's what I see. Uh, I'm an ultimate materialist there in that sense. Now, if there's some things that we cannot see, I think physics answers those questions a lot better than, well, definitely 100,000 light years better than, than what the Bible does or what some mystical kind of uh, uh, analysis does. So we, we, we really can't afford to have our children, our youth, 
going with that same type of thinking. And and certainly, many youth are much more um, are much more somewhat scientifically literate than 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 say maybe when I was growing up. But I I don't know how much. I I really don't. Um, technology um, is, is is a branch of science as well. Uh, but it always it doesn't necessarily always explain, you know, life in a way that that biology does, for example, or physics does. So there are, there are different branches of science that we need to talk about, and all of them are very important. But some branches can help us make some answers to things than, than more than others. Um, but so, but but it's really important. I I was able to. Um, I didn't really get a chance to to do uh, to kind of read up on the science, the march of science, in terms of what some of the speeches were across the country. I did check out Bill Nye's one; it was very short. Uh, and, and but he was again crystal clear that science is political, and I think that what we saw yesterday was yeah, there was there was many of, of us leftists and 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 and, and many of us. Those of us who who go to marches all the time, there's nothing new to us. We were out there for sure, uh, but a lot of people yesterday, you know, some of these we call the nerds or the scientists, nerdy people. They've never been out. They many of them never been probably on a march or been active in that way. Um, science has tried to say that it's neutral, that uh, that is not left or right, and 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 that's a mistake. That's a crucial mistake when you try to make science neutral. Um, science needs, needs to take a, take take a position about well how science and science uh, how science research how scientific discoveries how technology should be used for the common good um, and if you don't take that position what winds up happening is is you fall into that capitalist camp where you know to be a scientist and you want to get your research and you want to you know, you want to get funded for your research. You want to make money off of your research. You want to, um, you know, make that your livelihood. You can wind up selling shit to corporations that can really hurt people uh, because you don't take a, a you don't take a a a a, a, a uh, ideological position that to me is one that for, is based on being for people as opposed to against people. Um, so we want to use science in a productive, um, for-the-people kind of ideology. And we want to use it for not for the basis of profit and, and the basis of um, – because uh, a lot of science is also about innovation too, you know, and innovation is a great thing, but we know also innovation is used by capitalism, right? And that can be very – that can be bad and good, you know, because this innovation may be good in one sense, but we have to look at the other side of it. That's that dialectical materialism we talk about. In one sense, we could talk about how, for example, um, I don't know, GMO stuff. It, it can be a good thing in, in one sense, but it can be a bad thing in terms of the way it's corporatized, right? So it's, it's nothing wrong with you know looking at food production to to to, to in, in the way to 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 grow food in a way that's going to feed more people. But on the other hand, you, it, it can be used against the people. It can be used against agriculture. So we, we don't know this unless we're scientifically illiterate, right? I mean, illiterate. So we don't know that. So that's, that's what we're getting at here. One of the things that uh, Bill Nye talked about yesterday, and I haven't had a chance to really look into it, 
he talked about a website <clears throat> called the uh, the Solutions Project. That's a, the three words, thesolutionsproject.org. And uh, his his analysis is that we could, in, 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 in a short amount of time, could could really get off the dependence upon um, fossil fuels and coal. We can. He says that look, we can be a hundred percent off of that. You know this this extraction industry has got to go. He's clear on that shit, right? And and that's and when he says that, and he says we we can change the world. I think that even though he's not talking about socialism, even I think he's kind of pushing. He's, he's a he's a capitalist supporter. But even if you if you were to have a revolution like that, where we get off of coal extraction, fossil fuel dependence, that kind of thing, if we get off that, just that alone. Yes, it would have a, a dynamic change um, in, 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 in the world. And, and it would certainly be about saving the planet uh, or saving our life on the planet. The planet is going to do the fuck it's going to do. We can fuck it up if we want, but the, the planet might be hurt for a while, but the planet is going to keep on going or, or it'll blow up and there'll be other planets that are already out there. So we can choose to do the thing that's scientifically correct, right, or we can choose to ignore climate change at our own peril, and uh, and 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 don't think that it's going to be some kind of biblical end times. No, we're going to suffer before we're all dead. We're going to suffer first, and you're not going to, you know, me and Carl, we ain't going to be around for this shit. Okay, but those millennials and their kids, they quite might quite well be around for that. And this is not no. I don't mean to be doom and gloom. I don't mean. I know we've always people made predictions in the past, but look, no, we're living in a different Earth now, you know. And some one who was that they, they called it. Uh, he said he spelled it A A E R T H. We're in a different Earth, right? And uh, we've we've depended upon fossil fuels too much, coal too much. We've done this too much, and now we're facing some situations that. That we might not be able to turn around if we don't start doing it, and so that's the reason why I, I'm looking at this thing called the social, uh, the social, um, sorry, social, the solutions project. Looking at issues about socialism, so that we will have to change. We will have to have a worldwide revolution, and and get beyond what we where we are. It was even good to um, to hear even Apple said that it's that it's it's, it's really trying to move to build all these products based upon renewable uh, resources. Now, I don't know if that's just marketing talk or not. I mean, I, I'm hoping that that I know it's possible. I mean, there's enough ways that you can re, you can take shit that we've already produced and, and, and rebuild stuff using the stuff that, that's already been produced. You know what I'm saying? Ren, renewable energy, renewable products. Utilize that stuff. Just don't throw it in the ground. Just don't, you know, throw it in, reuse it. Break if a phone is not working anymore, you don't get rid of it. You take it apart and you create a new phone. You see my point? Those are the kind of things I know that we can do. And I'm not even a fucking scientist. I'm not even the technology, and I know we can do it. But I read enough to know that we can do it. Right? That that we can we can create clean water. We can do this. We can have everybody have access to electronic communication, that we can have electricity throughout the entire world, right? 
And that doesn't mean that we just misuse electricity, but we can have it throughout the world, right? So maybe we don't have cities lit up <laughs> fucking 24 hours a day, right? But we can have uh, uh, a, a sustainable um, uh, communities, cities, and states. We can have those things. This is possible. This is seriously possible. And I, even in Carl's nice time, it's seriously possible. So, you know, just want to just want to put that out there. I want to also talk about the the Democratic part too, Carl. But what you want to say some other stuff? Yeah, about the yeah, uh, yeah. I a sustainable uh, economy um, is critically important to both um, the struggle uh, under capitalism as well as the struggle under socialism. I think most people think of sustainable economy as going back to the basics, um, not having, um, you know, home or place or just living in mud, you know, huts and no electricity um, and drinking water from the river. Um, no, what sustainable economy basically is, and Marx alluded to it in um, in Capital, and, and is, he has some notes um and I can't think of the, the title of the notes that he made when he was looking at um, uh, capitalist production in the waste it creates. Um, and he was looking at it from the perspective of agriculture, that when agriculture was being uh, capitalized for the benefit of profit, they tore up the soil to such a degree that it, it, it made it bone dry. And then scientists discover the use of creating, um, uh, you know, nutrients uh, that will, uh, you know, produce crops at a higher um, rate uh, using manure and, you know, other kinds. For a while they're using animal manure. But then they um, began to recognize that there's a a bird uh, that in South America – that had droppings that it was very rich in, I guess, potassium and other rich nutrients that could be used for agriculture. And they went to South America, I think it's the island off of Peru, um, and they basically raided to um, um, uh, to, to use that as 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 a way of, uh, of enriching the ground. Even before that. <laughs> Um, what they did was they were digging up uh, graves and taking bones and grinding them and putting them in the soil. So Marx talks about how when profit motive gets in, we go all out versus balancing stuff out. And what happens is is that um, in the industrial age when we were producing commodities in terms of of cars and TVs and phones and stuff, we go all out um, and uh, because the whole thing is to produce a huge amount to produce enormous amount of wealth and not worry about the byproduct or waste that it produced because as long as it's sold, it, it will, you know, you'll realize your profits at the end of the day. This can be also a challenge, even if you go to renewable energy, if it's have a profit motive in it. If right. you have a profit motive in renewable energy, for example, I, you know, when we drove up to Tehachapi and we saw these giant windmills, I'm saying, man, that's a lot of windmills. Imagine if you made them profit motive 
There'd be windmills everywhere, and you could, you know, you would be having people sliced up because you need to put as many windmills as possible to generate an enormous amount of profit for electricity for someone's home. Again, if when profit becomes the motive, then becomes the problem. Now, I, before you jump all over my case about what happened in the Soviet Union, yes, what happened in the Soviet Union was a process of people looking at the way you build socialism is you become the most advanced, industrialized, highly technological country in the world. And you're not concerned about the byproducts of, you know, pollution, mass destruction, health, um, um, or quality of good. You just want to get you want to get there fast, big, and so forth. And it, part of it was the theory of productive forces that productive forces will build socialism. Productive forces is not in of itself will not build socialism. Productive forces is important. You must need to. Uh, uh, provide new technological uh, uh, renewable uh, resources and, and, and things for society, but it has to be at a balance, and this is where the question of democracy comes in as to what point do you overproduce stuff? What sense that you, that the impact, begins, what you're producing has disproportionate impact on people's lives, um, causing cancer, causing pollution in the the resources. So even renewable energy taken to a profit motive can have just as much devastating impact. It's a question of how do you do this in a balanced, sustainable, realistic way, in a way that people's needs are, are taken care of and not where some small elite or profit motive becomes the driving engine for which uh, you need to produce uh, or to uh, revolutionize or, or produce certain goods or, or, or commodity for people. So this, so I, I want to make it clear, sustainable, you know, renewable energy can be just as destructive uh, as, uh, as non-renewable energy if it's attached to the profit motive because of the fact that it will overproduce, overdestruct, because they're driven not because they want to help people. And, you know, as much as Apple, you know, put out this marketing thing that it wants to be, you know, do something, you know, where it can do renewable, where it can produce something that will break down later. At the end of the day, it has to look at its bottom line, and that's its profit. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's gone, that's right. you know. Uh, right. And that's what undermines those kind of efforts, right? That's, that's what undermines these things. It's not, you know, again, we, we, we're clear that uh, under, under capitalism, there's been a lot of innovations that have happened, you know, for, some of them for good. Um, but, it, but, it, but there's consequences of that when the, the underlying motive is always profit, more profit, and more profit. The, and, and then, it, but but these kind of these kind of crises, Carl, show the the, the consequences of capitalism at the same time, though. See, because um, Trump or forty five came out, you know, his response to yesterday was, you know, yes, we know we need to support science, but at the same time, we need to support families. You know, we need to make sure we have jobs. And he was trying to That's create this kind of dichotomy. dichotomy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and this kind of false dichotomy, and 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 people. Will, will take that and listen to it for, for sure because they will see that, you know, well, they see, hey, 
we've seen this kind of automation technological development and it's and it's and it's and it's meant that I've lost my you know, me losing my job, right? Um and or, or you know, so you know, seeing that in terms of automation, for example, or even increased manufacturing where people don't less and less people are needed. So an increase is false coming. That's but see that that contradiction is already inherent in capitalism anyway though. So whether you have automation or not, is always already they're already there because capitalism is going to have to do two things. This is consistent. It has got to find cheap labor. So either it's going to, you know, automate shit, okay, so that it can it can lay off people and make more profit, or it's going to move and go find cheap labor somewhere else. You know, the the huge irony, right? You know, is like you want to kick out, say, Mexican people, for example. You want to kick them out of the country, but yet the corporations are going to Mexico to get cheap labor, though. So a job that may cost a factory worker here that may make, you know, used to make $23 an hour, now makes about $17 an hour. Make $17 an hour here, well, they're like, you know, a corporation like, well, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go to Mexico where I can pay them $3 an hour. And then you wonder why people having to leave out of Mexico to try to come here and get a job. Because Mexican, the, the Mexican elite are making serious dollars, just like the, the bourgeois billionaire elites here, United States are making buku dollars. If these are people, both on, on both sides of, of, of the, um, you know, Mexico and the United States, are, 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 are the ones who suffer the most. We're the ones who suffer the most. See, so it's, so the, the inherent contradiction in capitalism is going to be there whether um, you have technology or not, because it's been there, it's going to be there. And in some ways, um, even if we say, well, we're automating too fast, okay, I understand that, but you also got 7 billion people on the planet. So you cannot produce things under any kind of system, either capitalist or socialist, you can't produce things the way that you used to produce them a long, long time ago. You know, sure, we can localize production, I totally agree with that, we can localize production. We can reduce the carbon uh, footprint uh, that it goes across the world to get things. I definitely get that. But when you got 7 billion people on the planet in a modern society, you're still going to have to automate. So what do you do? Well, to me, like we said, I said in the show and we said in the show many times, we have to rethink what's the notion of work. The, the notion of industrial-based jobs is going out, right? But that doesn't mean that we still have a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs in industry until we talk about, you know, uh, building renewable uh, resources and that kind of thing. There's a lot of jobs in that. There's a lot of jobs in the service industry that we would, we would create, and we could do it more so if we don't have to deal with this contradiction that capitalism has. Because capitalism is like, I got to make more profit, God damn it. I, I got to make some more money. And, we, and, and, it, and it sets up all of us to be in that, to be in that, that, that treadmill. That we always got to be making more money off of each other. We got to be we got to be raising our prices, you know, in order to make more profit, you know, to expand, you know, our market system. You know, we've got to uh, we got to like, you know, we got we got to do whatever we can in order to do that. And and that right there is what's backwards about it. I understand people want to, you know, they they lure to the the fact that hey, I can make a lot of money. Why should I? be away from capitalism. Well, there's consequences to that, though. See, because everybody can't make a lot of money in the capitalism. They can't. It, it won't allow it. It cannot happen. 
I know you're libertarians. I know you motherfuckers really think that. But this is this is not like setting up some lemonade stand and and selling lemonade. This is not about you build you know you building your little mom and pop store or you putting putting together a, a, a iPhone app, right? And you're gonna make some money that way, or you're gonna sell a book. That's that's not that's not real big huge economy there, right? We're talking about how do we manage, uh, you know, basic resource resources like you know like gas, electricity, those are the kind of things. Those are the things that that begin to run economies. Agriculture runs economy. How you manage water systems runs economy, right? You building an app, you know, and and having a, a, a blog site, that's that's fine. I mean, nobody coming after that. No, we're talking about what we do with natural resources and how they are corporatized and what they do in that. We're talking about reducing the profit motive so that we don't have to spend so much fucking time working in order to get a profit, that we don't have to reduce, you know, we don't have to pay people low wages in order to, to produce a, a, get a profit. We don't have to do that, right? And, and we, can, we can have this type of different type of system. That, that's all we're saying there. Now, to, to pivot toward democracy, how does that happen? Well, you have to have real democracy, not some fucking republic where you only have a small segment of the population that's going to make all the fucking decisions. No, people need to be involved in the decision-making process. And if you can't just, if, if we as human beings can't do something as simple as fucking going out and voting, one, making knowledgeable votes, if we can't do that, if we can't do something as simple as that, shit, I don't even think we're ready for socialism because socialism, to me, real socialism, it's going to require you to be much more politically literate. It's going to require to me that you don't have lawyers that are politicians, that you have uh, shit, you have doctors that are politicians, you have scientists that are politicians or, or, or in the political uh, decision-making process, that we have decision-making processes going on at the job level, right? That part of our job would be to discuss and make decisions about what's going on at that job, as well as what's going on in the city, what's going on in the in the community, and what's going on nationwide and internationally. So we need we need to have more democracy to be able to make decisions about making a more productive uh, um, environment, a more productive life for all of us, not just for the very few, and not just to for the purposes of profit. So that I mean that's. We we need more democracy, and this is what right. you see bourgeois capitalism takes away. It wants to reduce democracy, and this is what the the fascists in the White House right now. This is what they're doing, and they're getting away with it too. They 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 have royally gotten away with it, and most people don't even understand how much of their democratic rights have been taken away. We, we just don't even really get it, you know. But you don't get it though. You're going to wait. We're going to wake up and find out just how much your democracy. And your ability to make decisions about what happens to, to 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 your life, the lives of your brothers and sisters out there, you're going to realize more and more that's been taken away, for sure. Go ahead, Carl. Right. Um, well, you know, my experience um, around science, um, I, I, I actually had the love of science. Uh, started in um, in elementary school. I think it's 
fifth grade when they were actually, um, our whole class was stopped, and um, we had a science teacher in our class was stopped when they would fly um, uh, astronauts into space. That was the Gemini Project, and I was really fascinated. And he also had a lot of cool things um, uh, that we can play around with, which I did and got into lots of trouble. My problem with science as well as my problem with math and most subjects is the way it was taught in the sense that it was taught that it was the, there are no exceptions to the rule and this is how it is and this has always always been and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't I, I, I couldn't grasp that I couldn't believe that things just this is how it is it's always well will be until later and um and uh, I actually was in college when I began to learn about the history of science and the history of math, that they actually had histories. There's stories behind them. And there's people and struggle. And Galileo, who, you know, who was sent to sail and, and died and struggled around science, even though he equivocated. Um, but he was one of the first martyrs of science at that particular time. So it was to me, it gave me more humanistic perspective about what science um, was all about. Also, for science, and science is going to be extremely, scientific thinking is going to be extremely critical to democracy. And the reason is, as is, is, uh, Bakari mentioned, there's, there's two ways of looking at the world. You can look at the world from an idealistic point of view where, and a metaphysical point of view, where Things as they appear are, that's how it has always been, that's how it always will be, and that's how it is. So believe in the gospel of, you know, the book, you know, the gospels in, in, in the, uh, the Bible, or the stories in, in the Torah, or the stories, um, you know, uh, books, of the various books in the Koran. Um, there, you are told that what has been written it's complete. There is no more knowledge. You need not search and discover and be critical here and after. And what science forces you to do is to constantly search for an answer, to constantly discover things, not for the sake of, you know, some masturbation, but it's more or less to increase your knowledge to understand the world around you. If you are a person who popped into this world today and you never went to school, you would believe that the world is flat. It will always be flat. It will never change. You would believe that what goes up must come down because as many times you throw something up, it will always fall down. You will always assume that the things that are around you, and particularly when the, the ruling ideas reinforce these kinds of thinking, um, uh, you will basically fall in line. So what democracy is, scientific democracy does, is you constantly ask you to question and to seek knowledge. Do not assume what somebody is telling you is true. Search, reach out, and do, do your own research. Test out that particular, you know, a, a mode of thinking and thought and reasoning. See if it is clearly what it is true or not. Um, be among other people and have debates and discussions and be critical of each other and of yourself to seek higher knowledge. Some of us might, you know, Buddhism and Confucianism of seeking higher knowledge, but but, uh, they get 
oftentimes it's just a lot of this morale, moral and class, you know, uh, social class structure. But what it seeks to do, what science seeks to do is to constantly ask you to discover and increase your knowledge. That what democracy does, true democracy does. And it says that it is, true democracy says that everyone can do this. One of the things that evolutionary science has demonstrated, and this, um, uh, there's a book uh, called uh, Sapien by Yuval Hardari, um, he's, some, he's some Jewish guy, but he wrote a book called Sapien. And one of the interesting things that I liked about the book is the culmination of all the scientific discovery or evolutionary discovery from archaeologists and paleontologists and, and folks, is that what makes us human is our ability to constantly learn. Other species do not learn and constantly build upon the knowledge that they have. We are a unique species that not only constantly learn, because that's when we use our hand and our brain. We constantly have to use our hand and our brain um, to learn and to, and to uh, increase our knowledge and our discovery of our world around you. So, that is what it means to be human. What it not means to be human is somebody tell you this is how it is. So capitalism, this is how it always is. There always will be. We'll always there will always be poor among you. Get grip. With, you know we can't have sustainable uh, economy. This is it. Just just you know get high, get drunk, uh, live your life, and work yourself to death. That that is um, you know and and you'll seek your salvation in another world. That's mythology. And and a funny thing about mythology is that people don't want to put religion in mythology, but they clearly take Greek and Roman stories and call it mythology, when I would say that's the same religion y'all have. So it's no different. It tells a great story. They assume that their mythology is the only one because the Roman Empire stretched all the way from Great Britain to as far you know, east to India to the to the far south, into Africa, uh, to, into Spain. I mean, that's a huge empire. Um, and, and to them, the world never set on the Roman Empire for thousands of years. You know, many generations died and were still under the Roman Empire. So the, the, but that was their mythology. And what science says, that you cannot be trapped in myth, but that you must always be critical that things change. That things develop, things, there is always a better way. And that as long as, as humans keep seeking a better way, a better life, a better balance, a better world, that is what makes scientific socialism um, uh, powerful, but it cannot work without democracy, and democracy cannot work without people having knowledge, that they operate from scientific knowledge. They don't operate because mm -hmm. the head of the party, you know, uh, uh, Vladimir Lenin or Mao Zedong or, or somebody or Che Guevara said it was so. They they tested it out. Or Che said something, let me test this stuff out. Let me see if this stuff really works. Let me see if he's really saying this stuff. If it does, well, hey, this stuff, this ain't reflective of our reality. This ain't this ain't real. Maybe let me tell you what's how this really works. Let me tell you how we can make our society better. This is how we participate. And the interesting thing about the, uh, about science is that 
it's a democratizing. Because if you say that everyone can seek knowledge, that can mean a 10-year-old, that could be a 90-year-old. It can be a scientist. It can be a homemaker. It can be an employed person or unemployed. It could be someone who runs a billion-dollar operation to the person who runs a lemonade stand. That's the power of scientific theory and scientific approach, where it's scientific, I call it scientific democracy, where everyone has the knowledge, seeks the knowledge, critical of the knowledge, and there is no simple dogma or one particular dogma that says this is the way. We constantly test. We do that as Marxists. Marxists as scientific socialists, we do that constantly. We're constantly testing Marxism. We're constantly testing this theory. We're constantly seeing if it's reflective of today. What changed? When Marx was around, it was industrial capitalism. Today we're around finance capitalism. We must speak about those things that are reflective of today. And when he was speaking about industrial capitalism, England was the badass of his day. Today is America. So things change. And that even though the interconnecting pieces of it remain the same. The inner nature and essence of capitalism has remained the same. It's exploited, you know, uh, de- exploited the degrading system upon which it is founded and operate and its pathological nature of profit. Um, uh, that has remained the same, but it is developed. It is changing. It is shifting. It is changing. One of the things about capitalism it's just constantly has to innovate, and it's like a damn cockroach. It just is it's hard to kill because it will constantly look for cracks and crevices to survive um, because it, it truly, as a system, as a, a, a metabolic system, it constantly will, will, will change and shift and, and, and seek its way to do what it needs to do in order to survive. So it will constantly, even as a socialist society, it will constantly try to reach back and sneak its way back in. So that's where, and, and, to, and to keep it at, in its grave, to keep it like we think of feudalism today, we need a knowledgeable, conscious, scientific, educated populace that is fully engaged in her democratic process, that clearly know what its social needs are and is prepared to live and die for, for, uh, to build a new society and constantly advancing and building a, a newer society towards communism where, where classes is finally eliminated, all oppression is finally eliminated, and the struggle is just a simple a struggle of maintaining the earth with the rest of the universe. That is that day is where you know where we would like to be, and I'm not saying the picture that I'm creating is the absolute picture because you know we're not one of the things about scientists we're not uh, we're not prophets we don't believe in prophesizing about what the future is, but we know damn sure know that capitalism doesn't work. We know it doesn't well, work. Well, you know we could, the the the. the, the the real example of, of what we're talking about too is, is, you know, for example, if you look at if you look at the fascists, you know, forty five, you know, just doing simple things like, well, not simple things, but doing things like rolling back on, you know, environmental protections, things that say, you know, Obama uh, put in place under his administration, you know, and 
and rolling back on the Browns, and I knew this was I knew it was one of the first things he was going to do because a lot of these, you know, he's had he even convened, you know, corporations and stuff or corporate heads to come together and talk about, hey, what do you need me to do to roll back on, you know, uh, environmental regulations so that you can be able to do what you have to do, okay? And and, and see right there, you see, this this is again. It's the reason why we have problem capitalism. In other words, here you have scientists on one hand telling you, look, we've got to have these environmental regulations in order to have a sustainable planet, in order to deal with climate change, in order to, you know, deal with some stuff that's, that's, that's almost irreversible if we don't deal with it in the right way, right? Here's, so here, here you've got scientists who are doing this, and it's not because it's their job, but because they're skilled in understanding this stuff and studying this stuff, right? I mean, it ain't like we been just talking about this stuff yesterday. I mean, this goes back to 1970s, even before. I mean, we talked about 1970s is when kind of the, you know, environmental movement really became kind of got on the rise. But it was before that too. But certainly by 1970, it was on the rise. I mean, it definitely was there. And and these are people who are who have spent their lives saying, look, you know, we've got to have certain environmental protections in place, right? If we don't do this, it's going to put us in danger. We're already in danger, right? And it's going to put us more and more in danger, particularly as we move towards 2050. So, but so, but so here they're saying that, right? Clearly, people, it's not that difficult to learn this stuff and understand it, but because of the greed, you know, because of the, the capitalism's uh, thing about living in the now. You know, sure, they might make some, some plans for how they're going to make more money in the future, but they're looking about how they're going to make more money in the future. They're not looking at, well, what kinds of decisions should we be making now that's going to make the planet more sustainable, that's going to be in line with climate change. They're not looking at it like that. So you, you have 45 on one sense. You know, he's responding to what happened yesterday. You know, he says, well, rigorous science is critical of my administration's efforts to achieve the twin goals of economic growth and environmental protection. My administration is committed to advancing scientific research that leads to a better understanding of our environment. environment. That's, some, that's some shit he just came up with yesterday. That's not something that he campaigned on. That, that, that's, some, that's some rhetoric that he came up with yesterday, literally, and somebody wrote it for him, right? As a, as a capitalist, he don't really mean that. He does not mean that because you can't, Say what he said yesterday, and then at the same time roll back on uh, regu- the, the much-needed regulations. Now, sometimes maybe regulations might go too far. I don't know, but I certainly he ain't he hasn't given me or anybody else uh, the the kind of uh, uh, argument and, and data, you know, data uh, to support what he's the, 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 you know, his rollback. But he's not doing that. I think we have uh, Nas Nas here on the line. I'm gonna put him in. Is this Naj? Hello? Oh, yeah, but I'm just listening, man. Yeah, oh, okay, I'm just right listening, on, brother, right on. Good. Much respect, y'all. All right, definitely, man, definitely. Uh, but I'm just saying, so so those kind of things, you know, that's rhetoric that he puts out there because he felt the pressure yesterday with something politically he's supposed to say uh, to try to save his ass. Because when you have people like it coming from the scientific community, I mean, those people have, well, they can have a lot of influence. They don't understand, even just like the working class in this country don't understand its power, a lot of scientists don't understand this, their power, their political power. 
And and hopefully yesterday, uh, or at least by, with, since what's happened since 45 was elected, hopefully they're beginning to see that they need to stop making uh, political decisions and not just see themselves as politically neutral. Because if you do that, yeah, your ass is going to get kicked. All the work that you do can, can be uh, uh, used in the wrong way, right? And so we've got to be crystal clear that uh, what we're up against here. Uh, when you're rolling back on regulations like that, environmental we ain't going to get nowhere near communism or socialism if we don't have, we don't try to build a sustainable uh, economy, uh, a sustainable earth. Um, that that notion of, of having this kind of more utopianistic kind of uh, 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 living, we're not going to get nowhere near it if we can't do some basic shit as you know having a having uh, to to regulate some of the things that we do uh, to 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 deal with climate change. Um, that that is to me right now is easy to understand. Doesn't take some kind of Einstein to understand some of these kind of decisions that need to be made. But if you sit there and you vote for somebody, you put some asshole who doesn't know nothing or fucking about the environment or science, you put this kind of ass, that kind of asshole in the office, we then we deserve, we allow this kind of motherfucker to get up there, then we deserve what's going to happen to us. We deserve it. We really do. We really deserve it because he should have never been up there in the first place and he shouldn't have lasted this fucking long. So you, to me... I'd rather see somebody that that is a that is a scientist that, that that's fucking running the country than to have some asshole like he does. Now, what's wrong with us? What the fuck is wrong with us that we would do some shit like this? This is a backward culture. This is backwards, right? I don't give a fuck. Well, you know, well, under capitalism, we got iPhones and we got television. No, motherfucker, you be backwards to put somebody like that in office who knows nothing, nothing, zilch. He knows no, no more about science than I do. No more about science than my 16-year-old kid does. Literally. Knows nothing. And I know this for a fact. He knows nothing. But guess what? He's not the only problem. The real problem is, is the dumbass motherfuckers who put him up in there. Who we, it's, it's us who allowed it to happen. We allowed it to happen. This is the lesson we should learn. This is the lesson. If we don't learn this fucking lesson, then I don't, you know, really, to me, I don't give a fuck at this point because that means that human beings, the planet don't care if we allow these kind of monsters, these kind of idiots to get into to, to decision, uh, to, to get into a place where they're making such powerful decisions and being able to roll back protections that can, that can seriously endanger the lives of people for, for generations, seriously. For seven generations, the decisions that, that this motherfucker is able to make them today could have a long-range effect on populations of people in this country as well as the world. I'm serious. This is not doomsday thought. This is real. Hey, hey, Naj, if you want to, if you want to hop in real quick, man, we got 15 minutes. He might not hear me. Go ahead, go ahead, Carl. Yeah, Hello? I think. Oh. Naj. He's still there? He might he might step away. He might step away. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I think you know the, one of the things that we do really need to keep in mind is that um, the neo-fascism of '45 is is real. And part and the point you made a, a really good point that you made in in the sense that um, 
when he got into office, he went to his buddies, um, corporate capitalists, and say, you know, what would it take to make you guys even more profitable? And basically, you know, their thing was the regulation of uh, that has been in place for many, many years. We used to have this thing called regulated capitalism, and regulated capitalism was um, really began during the New Deal when they said that, you know, we'll put these things in place as long as you keep us from going over the cliff. So we will um, – that's when they used to have the wage and price controls in the, in the late 1950s and early 1960s. Um, you know, the promotion of, of, of you know uh, – of, of different uh, uh, services, and then in the in the late 1960s, when because of all the mass movement, the EPA came into existence, and, and other kinds of regulation of of corporations uh, took place. Um, when Ronald Reagan came in, um, his first his first main task was to get rid of all, a lot of these regulation and. They proceeded to do that, and a lot of these corporations began to collapse, and um, uh, it was just a utter mess. And so, what this this is a process that they, that they're um, doing again. Now, I do have to say that I I, I know having forty five into office is a, a real terrible thing. Um, and it's and it's going to have dramatic impact that we'll be feeling for many 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 years to come. Just like when Reagan came in office, we're still trying to unravel the war on drugs, the impact on the African American community, um, a, a whole wide variety of issues that um, that that Reagan and Clinton have, have put into play. And I understand that, and I and I understand the devastating impact that will have on many people's lives. But it is also what is unique relative to if Hillary Clinton and even during even during the Obama is that a lot of people now are awoke and and, and out resisting. This is the, this is movement building time. This is people are actually fighting and resisting and and learning that being in the street is still relevant. Um, being in the streets fighting this resistance is still relevant. And asking those particular questions and being critical of those particular questions, both about capitalism and a different way of looking at the world, that no longer just people from the Democratic Party could be, served, you know, be seen as the savior of the working class, that they, they are currently a bankrupt now, they are not providing – you know, and not and unable to provide that kind of leadership, and so people are out in the street saying, "We got to do this. We got to do it ourselves." So, the science march, the women's march, on May first will be the um, immigrant rights march, the largest immigrant rights march in many, many years. So, there's been a series of these uh, marches and 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 resistance that will be taking place for the for for years to come, which is building a movement that will ultimately fundamentally uh, transform uh, and bring about a revolution uh, here in the belly of the beast, in the, in the empire itself. Um, but to do that, you know, resistance alone is not going to be able to do it. We're going to need organization. We're going to need leadership. We're going to need people with skills in the cadre of revolution um, and, and, and survivability because repression is coming. Uh, Jeff Session is a part, uh, Justice Department has made it clear that the police department can do whatever they want now. They will no longer be supervised and under 
um, the watch of the Justice Department. Uh, uh, so they can basically go back shooting and whipping and arresting as many people as they possibly can, which means also those who are in the resistance movement, there will be a lot of um, intelligence. Uh, uh, people are going to be arrested. People are going to be take, you know, taken out um, um, because they, they are going to fight back. Uh, the challenge for us is we're immature, we're not developed, we're not skilled, we're not prepared, and we need to be prepared as these difficult days come before us. So we have a lot of challenges. We have a lot of struggle to uh, go forward. Um, knowledge is going to be critically important for us, but skilled in organizing an organization, um, uh, communication, all of those things are going to be critically important, but, at the, but as well, Socialism has to be put back on the table as a vision, um, not just simply, you know, putting a Band-Aid on this uh, republic, uh, capitalistic republic, but we need to begin to think of how we can um, uh, transform and move past the current uh, system that we have today. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, 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 you know, we have some, I mean, I, I, I know that um, there are times when, you know, when I'm on, I'm just kind of browsing on the internet, looking at all the different stories, going down to Twitter, look at all the different stories. I mean, there's it, so much to unpack. There's so many things that are going on, both on a on a political tip, economic tip, just a day to day kind of, you know, just life shit that that we all face. And you and you really have to be really clear about what you get involved in, what you're going to struggle for, how you're going to struggle, how you're going to be strategic, and you have to. You know, at the same time, take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones. You got to do all those things. This is the reason why, in, in the last eight minutes that we have, this is the reason why this show we, we really don't spend a lot, a lot of time in and talking about a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, details of what the 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 the, the, the fascist administration is doing. We don't we don't get into it into a lot of detail. We reference it. But what we try to do is put it in, in context of a larger picture. And, and the reason why we do that is because, again, you have to look at a larger vision because these things, a lot of these things that are happening now were set in place and set in motion a long time ago, right? I mean, it, it just didn't start happening when 45 came into office. I mean, we, a lot of us on the left who've been around for a while, we know this. I mean, this is nothing new, right? I, I grew up with this stuff, you know what I mean? And in my adult life, I, I think I happen to think you know I think 45 is the worst thing that's ever happened uh, in, in terms of so-called democracy, but that's just my view. But uh, at the same time, you know, if we don't, we're going to have to face what do we want as a people, and and this is one that we're still not dealing with, and the reason why is because we're 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 having to just deal with some day-to-day shit. And we can't even talk about a vision for something different when we're trying to just say, well, can I just have $15 an hour? You know what I mean? Or can I just, you know, can we just have uh, some, some, uh, some universal health care? You know, I mean, we, we at 2000, you know, 17 asking for these little basic-ass kinds of rights, you know what I mean? And, and so it's hard to have that vision, but we got to have it. Particularly the millennial generation has to have, a vision for something that you want different. And that's the reason why we want you to, to debate and struggle about these ideas about socialism and capitalism. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the notion 
And I know a lot of people, you know, they get out there and they, you know, you want to march and you want to get into some struggle and you want to go heads up with the cops and the police and all that. You know, have at it. Do your thing. But, 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 but believe me, those things, you don't have to even go that far right now. What you got to do is change the narrative with the people that you come in contact with. That, that, isn't, that doesn't always get you arrested, okay? That doesn't mean that, you know, that don't mean that you won't go take the jail. I was in the march and I got arrested. Yeah, okay, that, that's, you know, you, you put your life on, on the line. That, that's cool. But, you know, you don't have to go that far right now. What you have to do is say, look, in the conversation that I have with ordinary people, day-to-day people, right, I'm going to change the narrative. And this is what we try to do in the show, trying to change the narrative. We're saying that the narrative is, is not, not enough narrative about vision. There's, there's a lot about resistance, and it should be a lot about resistance. There should be a whole lot about resistance. But just, just the same, in the same breath, in as much time and energy we spend on resistance, we have to talk about, okay, resistance for what? What do we want to have? Not what, you know, we don't want Trump. Okay, we want to get rid of Trump and replace him with what? What are we going to replace Trump with? See, that's what we haven't talked about. You see what I'm saying? And that's, what, that's not in the conversations enough. Even among some leftists. I, I've, I've been in conversation with plenty of leftists who, would, when you start talking about socialism or communism, shit, they can't have that discussion. They're not even studying this stuff. They're not even studying what it means to have a sustainable economy because they're so mucked and mired in the resistance of fighting the forces there. And I understand we have to. But to me, you fight it better when you have a vision. That's my point. That's what I'm trying to say. You fight, you, you resist better when you have a vision for change. If you just resist for resistance' sake, then you don't really move anywhere. Because once you get 45 out, then you got to go to to uh, what's his, what's the asshole's name, Penn, or what, what's his name, the vice president. Yeah, you got okay. You got now. We got to get him out. Mm-hmm. And then next, okay, well we get him out. Now we got to get the Republican Party out. So you you do all that fighting, but you haven't said to yourself. And to, particularly to your, your children Ask them that fucking question First off, ask them the question of What do they want to do with their life Right? I mean, first off, just give, them, give them a sense of Being beyond 10, 15, and 20 Give them a vision and say what, Where do you think you want to be by the, by When you're 60 years old Don't wait until you're like I did when I was 50 years old To ask where I want to be 60 years old Right? So, so for one, on the personal level Ask them that But then but also, more importantly, ask them what type of world would you like to live in? Here's how the world exists today right now. Do you think that this kind of world is sustainable? Do you think this is the kind of world that you want to live in when you have your kids and your grandkids? These are the kinds of questions that we can start asking. These are the narratives that we can start asking. And they don't, that doesn't mean getting arrested. It really doesn't. Because a march, how long did that march last yesterday, Carl? An hour and a half, two hours? Two hours. The march is over. Two hours. The march is over. Good. You know, it was very symbolic that many people came out. But the question still remains: Is what side is science on? Is it is it is it is it on the side of the people, or is it anti-people? Is it on the side of making profit, or is it on the side of creating institutions, creating an economy that everybody uh, profits from it, not just let the the five one percent uh, or less. That's the kind of decisions that science has to make. 
you know, the scientific people in the scientific industry. You know, it has to be clear that it, it like Bill and I talked about, that it can't be, we got to, the, the, uh, the extraction industry has to go. So you as scientists have to be a part of that struggle to end the extraction industry. You don't right. work for the, the extraction industry anymore. So you stop working for them, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to give over my skills, my knowledge, to work for them. I'm not going to do that no more. The extraction industry fucking has to go. That's, that right there is the kind of decisions you have to make as human beings. You have to do that. And, yes, it's going to mean, probably going to mean it's going to be very uncomfortable. You might lose your job. But if we don't, if we don't make these kind of decisions right now, we're not, going to have, we're not going to be on the planet. We're not going to be here. There's not going to be no socialism or capitalism or communism. There's, there's going to, we're not going to be here. It's going to be very difficult. So we have to stop making some real decisions. Carl, you got, you got the, the minute and a half left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to um, recommend a couple of books. One is Biology Under the Influence, Dialectical Essays on Ecology, Agriculture, and Health by Richard Lufton and Richard Liven, uh, which is a really good book. The other is, uh, I think we talked about in the past, John Bellamy Foster, Mark's Ecology, which is a really, really good book that people should check out. Yeah, definitely, and and if, and if those if those books are too heavy for you, because you know Carl reads some heavy books, man. I ain't gonna lie, he reads some heavy books because he's a heavy brother. Uh, but also just check out check out Bill Nye's books as well. I, I enjoy it. I read one of his, and I read the other two. So check those out. Play your stuff out there. So we're gonna be back next week. We're not gonna go into a hiatus for at least another, hopefully another three weeks or so. Yeah. So we'll be back next week, and uh, we haven't decided what we're gonna talk on, but we'll be back. So. Really appreciate people listening to the show, listening, giving your feedback on Twitter at Socialist 45, Socialist Visions on Twitter. Definitely be there. I'm also going to try to find some time to get on Facebook. We're going to do that as well. And get, just get wherever we can. So definitely, uh, you know, keep, keep in communication. Keep in contact with us. Brother Nas, if you're still listening to us, thank you for, you know, calling in. Look forward to you uh, being able to come back on the show one day. All right? Thanks a lot, you guys. Take care. Thank you.